My name is Tim Young, and you're listening to your favorite podcast, the Magnify Him Together podcast for teens. Now, I know your favorite might be the Essential Bible Studies podcast, and I wouldn't blame you, but either way, they're both good. In this episode, we're going to continue our series called Songs in the Night, dealing with emotions and mental health as teens. We've considered how the brain grows and matures all throughout your teenage years, and we've talked a little about how to recognize and deal with worry and anxiety, as well as sadness and grief. In this episode, we're going to talk about coping with feelings of depression. Up until this point, we've outlined how stress, worry, and sadness can be good or bad, and and they are all parts of our life that we live through, especially with the help of God's Word. Now we're going to talk about something different, depression. It's different because depression is always bad. It is a mental illness. As we learned in episode one, it is quite common, and we just want to give an introduction here so you are aware of it and can either help others or yourself. Personally, I have never suffered from depression, but I know plenty of people who have. And this can be a very complicated subject. I'm, I'm not an expert, so I just want to touch on some of the basics, like how to recognize the symptoms, what are some causes and cures, and how to open up and talk about it. Let's start first by reviewing the symptoms of depression. How do I recognize it? Well, that's not easy, but I'll give you a list of six symptoms used to diagnose depression. It may not be all of them at once, but it will be some combination of these over a prolonged period, say greater than two weeks. I've put these in order too, going from bad to worse. Number one is being anxious or having feelings of dread or panic. Maybe you feel more irritable than usual or more mentally cloudy or just constantly overwhelmed with life. Number two, uncontrollable emotions, excessive crying. Number three, problems with sleep patterns leading to fatigue and feeling tired all the time. Number four, a loss of motivation or apathy a sort of numbness to all of life's experiences. People who are depressed describe it as colors aren't as bright, food doesn't taste as good, music sounds duller, and on and on and on. Things that used to bring you joy don't anymore. Number five is a hopeless outlook. Major depression is a mood disorder that affects the way you feel about life in general. Having a hopeless or helpless outlook on your life is the most common symptom of depression. Other feelings may be worthlessness, self-hate, or inappropriate guilt. And common reoccurring thoughts of depression may be vocalized as, it's all my fault, or what's the point? And finally, number six are thoughts of self-harm or suicide. And if you feel this is you or a friend, then you really should have a professional verify it. But what causes depression? Now that's a tough question because there can be various reasons. Depression is ultimately a mental illness. But here's the tough part. Is it some chemical imbalance in your brain or is it caused by the way you think? The answer is probably somewhere in between. 
Because, first of all, biology matters. Take, for example, the well-known aspect of postpartum depression, also affectionately known as the baby blues. About one in seven women, after giving birth to a baby, feel depressed to some degree. And the most likely reason is the massive number of hormonal changes that affect a woman's body during and just after pregnancy. That's called a neurochemical reaction. On the other hand, wrong ways of thinking can also lead to depression. How you handle stress and anxiety are all important. How are your coping skills? How do you default to handling problems and stresses? You see, when we get into bad habits of processing the events in our lives, then they become deep ruts in our brains, which are very difficult to get out of. So the causes of anxiety and depression, I would say they fall under four different categories. They can be physical, spiritual, relational, or mental. Let me just describe these. Physical means our biology can be malfunctioning, or it could be from natural physical changes. Especially in your teenage years, there's a lot going on with the hormones, if you know what I mean. Lack of exercise, poor sleep, poor diet, that can all lead to depression. Substance abuse can also be a trigger. All these are physical reasons. Bottom line is you need to take care of yourself. That's your physical health. Number two, there are spiritual causes, which come from a wrong view about God or the Bible. That might lead to feelings of guilt, doubt, or unbelief. And all this can weigh on the mind, causing anxiety and or depression, especially if there's some sort of sin that one is really struggling to overcome. Number three is relational. Families show patterns of depression. If there's a lot of dysfunctionalities like divorce or abuse, maybe the relationship side of thing is from bullying or excessive teasing at school or the ecclesia. Maybe it comes from unrealistic expectations of parents or what a person places on themselves by comparing themselves to others. And number four, finally, on the mental side of things, one may have an overactive imagination, a lack of problem-solving skills, information overload, or they've just developed false thinking patterns. It could also be that some dramatic event may have caused post-traumatic stress disorder, which has brought on this depression. You can see that the reasons for depression can be many and complicated. Sometimes it can be really helpful to identify the problems so you can seek for a solution. The problem is that when you're in depression, it's really hard to think correctly, so you need help. Like, Think about this. Feeling hopeless and helpless are part of the disorder. And so depressed people are prone to believe there is nothing they can do to help themselves. But that is outright not true. When people pray to God and then educate themselves and take proactive and deliberate steps to get help, including self-help, the probability of overcoming depression is high. The problem is that a great number of people try to hide it. Now, why would that be? Again, there may be a variety of factors, but most think they should be able to deal with it on their own. And that would be great, and it can happen, but we also need to know our limitations. 
Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let the stigma of being misrepresented as crazy or weak get to you. You don't have to suffer in silence. If we are sick, we are sick, and there is medical help available. The same is true for depression. Now, it's not easy. The forces of depression are strong and stubborn. You'll need patience and perseverance. You'll need to be open to change. You'll need to find comfort and joy again in prayer and God's word. Just know that people do get cured of depression. Some people assume it automatically means going on some medication, but that is not the first line of defense. I'm not saying medication is good or bad, right or wrong. Ultimately, as a teenager, this is something you need to work through with your parents or a trusted mentor. Together, you can find the right medical help that will be in line with your faith. Now, I know that most of you listening do not suffer from depression. The truth is that most of you will know somebody who does. So you should be interested in helping. That's what the love of God compels us to do. Problem is, what do you say or not say? You know, sometimes we can have the best intentions, but we just say the wrong things. Based on what we know so far about the symptoms and causes, here are some things not to say. Number one, just snap out of it. Or, come on, think positive. Now, don't you think somebody who is depressed would have already thought about that? It's not that easy. Saying something like that just makes light of the severity of it. A depressed person sees this as a huge hurdle they just can't possibly do. If the cause is mental, there's a lot of training and guidance needed to overcome ingrained thought processes. Number two, you just need to study the Bible, or you just need to pray more. You may be surprised that I said not to say that. Well, it is true. Our only hope and answer is found in the scriptures and in our petitions to God. No doubt about that. The problem with the depressed is that they have lost all that joy and can't find it in themselves. They need our help. So say it, but follow it up with action. Maybe we should rather be saying, let's do the readings together or let's pray together. Number three of the things not to say is, confess your sins. Now, the feelings of depression are not a sin. Let's get that straight. It can lead to sin, but feelings are not sin. It is true, though, that sin can exacerbate depression. It does have to be dealt with, but we all sin. We can't assume it is the cause. Cure the depression, the false ways of thinking, and you can better eradicate the sin. Number four of things we shouldn't say. You need to get on some meds immediately. First of all, medication is not the first line of defense. Counseling is. Second of all, people have different consciences when it comes to mind-altering drugs, and it needs to be taken very seriously. I'm not saying they are good or bad, right or wrong, but some doctors are too quick to prescribe drugs. Do your research and do what is right for you. Number five, we shouldn't say, well, I've been through worse. 
Now, that may be true, but suffering is relative, and it really does not help a person to know that you're better at enduring suffering than they are. If you've been through something similar, it definitely will help to relate your experience and what helped. The problem is intimating that it's not as bad as a person thinks. And finally, number six. God won't give you more than you can handle. I can't quite find that in the Bible. But it does say that he will, in temptation, provide a way of escape. That's from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Now, the context there is a little different than depression. But it is true that God will provide a way out, but he never says it will be easy. We shouldn't make it sound easy. We do know that sufferings may even last a lifetime. But as Paul says in Romans 8, verse 18, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So that is what not to say. But what can we say? Well, really the best thing to do is to listen and to understand. Don't feel like we have to have a quick solution or all of the answers. A lot of what we say may run into a dead end. We have to understand every little bit helps. That what is said in understanding, love, and patience is what is needed. Now, I feel bad that we haven't talked much about scriptures up to this point, and I've run out of time for this episode, but I'm going to fix that in the next podcast when we consider one of the greatest psalms dealing with depression. 